And uh, great job, uh, worship team, worship leaders, uh, media, folks in the back. The, wow, you know, is, we come in here and we just like, well, it, it all just comes together. Um, and, um, but the truth is, is people work pretty hard. People work pretty hard to make that happen. Um, today, today is we've got a lot. We got a lot on the rack today. Um, if if uh, could I say one more time, if you're a visitor, we're so glad that you're here. If it's been a long time since you've been been here before, I'm glad that you're in the pew and with us today. Hopefully, the kids are downstairs with BGMC and uh, the nursery's open and working. Uh, and, uh, you know, just things are working well today. And if you've got, again, this is Mission Sunday, and I'll tell you what that means in a minute. <coughs> but we have in our uh, bulletin, and I'm not going to read them to you. There's the annual, annual church business meeting. There's also Women's Ministry Fellowship, the Haiti Missions uh, trip meeting. Um, the, we'll hear more about that in a few minutes, about uh, in a moment or two from, uh, from Joyce. And I think that appreciation dinner... You know, I feel funny announcing this, guys, you know, but, but it's on the 1st instead of the 4th. That's a miss. And Pioneers Club, you've got this here. This is a kids' ministry that's going to take place. Uh, it'll start uh, the, first, the first Wednesday night. It'll start at, on, is October the 23rd. We're going to start with, a, with a, a, a simple dinner, and then we're going to launch into the kids' ministry. And, and adults, those of you who are not involved in the kids' ministry downstairs, will come up here for prayer and worship. Amen? So that's, that's going to, it's also in your bulletin. Um, gentlemen, if you'll come now. And folks, if you'll prepare yourselves to give. Amen? Thank you again for your faithfulness. The roof is working well. And uh, and uh, and there's always there's always going to be something that we do. We're, we're patching this, patching that. Eventually, we're going to have to put some blacktop in and uh, and some drains. And but all of these things are coming together. And I thank you for your faithfulness in giving. It's been over the top and very very good. Um, Rob, will you pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thankful for the opportunity and the privilege to gather in your house in your name. Thankful that we live in a nation where we're free to do so, Lord, to gather in your name and openly worship you. Lord God, we we ask you to guide us now in our giving as we return unto you a portion of that bounty with which you've provided us. We ask you, Lord, just to bless this offering to meet the needs of this ministry and multiply it, Lord. And we pray always in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and ask that thy will be done in all things. Amen. 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 Gentlemen, come. We have flags all the way across the back, and, and in the vestibule, there are, there's, a, there's a big world map, and there are pictures of missionaries. And this year, we've, we've increased our mission, missionary line items by about four or five line items. Um, you know, uh, missions, missions is, is one, of, one of the primary reasons we exist. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. Right now, if, if, you're not, if, you, if you don't know that the world is, 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 is spiraling toward the end, then you're probably not paying attention. And we're, we're a part of that. There are men and women who haven't heard yet that Jesus loves them. Okay? Missions is about empowering men and women to, to go all over the place 
and do those kinds of uh, do that kind of ministry. We have missionaries that we support, and many of you have taken pledges out, and you're 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 doing pledges this morning. But I would encourage everyone to give in this missions offering. Amen. Amen. Matthew twenty-eight nine. Go into all the world. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you and praise you this day. We thank you, Lord, for those that have obeyed your call and have gone out on the mission field. And now, Lord, it is up to us to support our missionaries as they go forth. For this is our calling. We all have that call, Lord, to support, to go forth. We ask now, Lord, as we give, that you would bless our missionaries and bless those who give to support them. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 He's at the district office, and he's a good, as a close friend of mine, and he's been here before. He's worked uh, with the church as, as we came together. Sharon, his lovely wife, is here with us also, and, uh, but we've got some business to do this morning, right? Amen. Come on up, brother, right? and, uh, and lead us in this. Good morning, folks. Good morning. I'm way louder, right? <laughs> It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We've got some, uh, some wonderful... I get the opportunity of going across the district and, and sharing with uh, congregations. Last week we were in Saratoga, and they were coming out from under district supervision, Pastor Bill, and they elected their pastor last week, and they elected a board, and it was a time of celebration. And uh, this week I have another opportunity to celebrate with folks. And this morning, we're going to celebrate the fact that there are two individuals within your congregation who have in turn um, heard the call and answered it. And in response to that call, they've taken on responsibilities and on the task of attaining uh, what we call our credentials. It's not an easy task, folks, uh, this whole idea of credentialing. It's, it's work, it's time. It's um, a labor of love because they realize that at the end, they have the privilege of, of working for the master. Amen? Pastor Bill and I have the privilege of working for the master. And these two individuals have in turn taken on that privilege as well. So I'm going to ask, Juan, would you join me up here and would you bring your lovely wife with you? And Richard, would you join me up here and bring your lovely wife? Pastor Juan has uh, uh, gone in the direction, a little different direction than most, in the sense that he comes to us, having held credentials with another organization, and in turn, um, due to various circumstances, um, has been called, feels that he's called to join us in the ranks of what we call the Assemblies of God. And we're glad to have you. Thank you. We're very glad to have you. Thank you. And, and Pastor, Pastor Juan has, in turn, has completed, has fulfilled all of his responsibilities with regards to attaining his license this morning. So he is receiving a certificate that indicates that he is recognized not only by the district, the New York District of the Assemblies of God, but by a general counsel. And in turn, uh, with that recognition... Now, he has the privilege of ministering and carrying out the sacerdotal responsibilities of this office. 
And in turn, we believe that he has a wonderful plan for you and that he is going to work through you in a wonderful way to fulfill that plan. We, we sang about victory. Let there be victory Amen. in the Hispanic camp. Amen? Amen? Let there be victory in what you do from this point on. Pastor? Now, what he's had to do is he's had to go through a course with us, right? Some coursework. Yes. He's gone through a, a written exam. Didn't know you had to go back to school, did you? He's, he's gone through a written exam, and he's gone through an interview process of, of coming before uh, the presbytery and, in turn, interviewing with them. Now, he is also at the stage of where the next step is his, um, is his ordination. Amen? Amen? And would you pray with him that we will be able to... Uh, ordain our brother as of this May, that he'll join us in New York City for the ordination service, yes. because he's got some, road, some things to do before then. He's, he's got to go through another test. You didn't know you had to do that, did you? <laughs> he's got to go through another test and another interview. And so we're just going to believe with him that God is going to pour out his blessing and his anointing, and God is going to use him in a wonderful way. Amen? Congratulations. Amen. Amen. Now, this one, we weren't sure we were going to be able to do that this this, this morning. Yes. Right, Pastor Bill? Uh, I was out of the office the last two days of the week, and and in turn, uh, just before I left the office on Wednesday, uh, the secretary and treasurer's uh, executive secretary said to me, we're waiting on Richard Johnson's uh, certificate, but we're not sure it's coming in. And Friday she called me and said, it's here, come and pick it up. So this morning, I have not only have the privilege of, of coming for Juan, but I have the privilege of coming for Richard. Richard has completed all of his responsibilities with regards to coursework and a test and an interview. And consequently, now he is ready to take on the responsibilities of being a certified minister in the Assemblies of God. Amen? And my brother, we are so glad. Thank you. Amen. We are so glad that, that in turn, God's calling upon him has been, <laughs> has been secured, and he, is, and he is now taking the next step. Now, he also, in these next few months, is going to take the next step. He's completed all the coursework for his license, right? And so consequently, hopefully by, possibly, possibly by next May, uh, but if not by next May, at least by, by the fall, he will be an ordained, or excuse me, a licensed minister in the Assemblies of God. So pray with him, would you? Because he's, he's, got, he's got some work to do yet. He's got a test to take. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And an interview and the interview, uh, we're nice to the interviewees, by the way. We're not horrible, right? Were we horrible? No. No, well, you weren't. No. We, we're nice to the interviewees. We're not horrible. But what we want to make sure is, in both instances, that they understand the responsibilities. They understand what it means. They understand who we are as assemblies of God. They understand what it means to be a minister of the gospel and what the responsibilities are going to be expected of them with regards to supporting the assemblies and, 
and in turn ministering effectively. So he's, he's got, some, got a little bit to do, but we're just believing God with him that God is going to bless him Amen. in a wonderful way. Amen. Thank Richard, Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you very much. Now, I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask the church council if you'd come and join us up here. Would you do that? And in turn, we would like you to come, come on right up here. Join us, please. If you come right behind them, we're going to and lay hands on them. And pastor is going to pray over these folks and ask God's richest blessings upon them. And we're just believing for great things. Any of you family members that would like to come and be with your, with your loved ones, please feel free to come. And I want the congregation just to stand, if you would. I want you to reach out your hand. I want you to just agree that we are going to see great things as a result of their ministry. Would you do that? Amen. Pastor, if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, again we come to you. Yes, Lord. Lord, your blessings are so many. Yes, Lord. Lord, before us stand two of our own that you've put your hands upon. Amen. And they've said yes. Yes. And they've worked hard. And not only worked hard in their, in, in their studies, but they're always here working, doing the things that she can be done us in ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know the end from the beginning. Amen. And we're asking not only your anointing on them today, but for tomorrow and all the, all the, all the tomorrows of the ministries that you have placed before them and placed uh, in their hearts. We love you. Uh, take care of their families. Yes, take Lord. Take care of their ministries. Yes, Lord. Lead them and guide them in yes, the Lord. that you would have them to do. Mm-hmm. We are following you, each and every one of us. God, we thank you. And we thank you for these men as well. Amen. And amen. 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 Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Don't worry, I'm not going to speak long. How is that? It's almost time to break here, so I, I, I will be quick. It's good to be here. Um, you want to hear? You want to hear the official title I carry? This is impressive. Okay, I'm the executive assistant to the superintendent, comma upstate. Now, what does that mean? That means that I have the privilege of working with our superintendent and along uh, by his side and, and, and working with churches. I work with churches that are in transition, churches that are in trouble. The latter part is not fun always. The church transition is not always fun. But the reality is, it's God's church. And I keep reminding myself that. It's God's church. It's not my problem. It's his problem. I'm simply there to carry out the task and provide, hopefully, assistance and help. Amen? And um, I've been in this position for 10 years. Pastored for, for 8 years in New Jersey before that. Pastored for 14 years before that and outside of Syracuse. And um, before that, I was a school teacher and a school principal and started a Christian school. And so there's a lot of years on this person. And along by my side, throughout the whole time, has been this wonderful woman sitting in the front pew. 
And Sharon has been there by my side too at all. I have put her through some difficult times because I've said to her, I don't think we're supposed to be here any longer. It's time to move. And she has said, okay. There was only one time she said, you can move. I'm not going there. (laughs) We didn't go. Uh, (laughs) Amen? Um, I I had... uh, Pastor called me this week. He said, what are you going to preach on? You have a title for your message. And I said, I haven't decided yet. We're in the midst of some other struggles in our home with uh, my elderly mother. And uh, so I I was struggling with exactly what I was going to share with you. I had three messages up my sleeve. Right? Three messages. And so Pastor said that uh, he would put in the bulletin that I was going to preach on mystery meat. Uh, (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) So this is not mystery meat. Uh, I, this morning, I was still struggling this morning, Pastor. And, and the Lord, during my devotions time this morning, finally nailed it. Said, this is what I want. And so consequently, I, I'm sharing my heart. Um, I want you to turn, if you would, uh, to the book of Matthew, uh, to chapter 21. And in, in the book of Matthew... What we're, what we're going to be looking at is um, Jesus uh, arriving at the temple. He is, he's just triumphantly ridden into Jerusalem, and he arrives at the temple. And in turn, um, he is appalled by what he finds in the temple. Because what he finds in the temple area is just before Passover, and he is appalled because he sees buying and selling and exchange and so on happening within the temple walls. And he's angered by it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that he is so angered by it that he overturns the tables. Remember that part, portion? And, and then you, you read, you get down to verse number 18, and it says, Early in the morning as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry, seeing a fig tree by the road. He went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again, and immediately the tree withered. And then when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And he replied, to tell you the truth, if you have doubt and do if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The only other gospel that this account appears in is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. And in turn, you find the same concept there, a little different, in, little, varies a little bit in time frame, but the same concept and the same verbiage. And this morning, I, I want to talk to you about the lesson of the fig tree. Amen? Amen. The lesson of the fig tree, not the mystery meat. The lesson <laughs> of the fig tree. Let's, shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you, Lord God, that this morning we can come into your presence and knowing, Lord God, that you have something very special for us. We've sung. We've given. Lord, we've enjoyed one another's company. We've honored. Now it's time for you to speak to us through your word. Might our hearts be open and receptive. Might we realize, Lord God, that uh, truly 
you have a lesson for us, something very precious. It might we receive it humbly. It might we apply it to our heart, Lord. And when everything is done, we walk out of this building, might we go forth rejoicing in what the Lord has done in each one of us. It's in that precious name of Jesus that we've come. And everyone said, Amen. And Amen. The interesting thing is, you may wonder why Matthew and Mark differ. And you also may wonder, okay, it appears in these two Gospels, why doesn't it appear in Luke and John, for instance? And and here's the bottom line. Uh, These four men were writing from different perspectives, and they were writing to different folks, and they were were attempting to get different messages across. And and as you read through Matthew, you realize that he's he's writing to the Jews. He's writing to, to, to let them know about this Jesus. And, and in turn, he, he is drawing, to some extent, a biographical sketch. That's interesting. And then you move into Mark, and you realize he's, not, he's, no, longer, he, he's no longer minister writing to the Jews, but rather he's writing to the Romans. And he's very specific, and he's very to the point, and he's very terse, and he's very court, curt in what he says. And, 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 he's, and he's driving home a point to the Romans... And in turn, as he does so, he approaches what is transpiring in a little different fashion. Uh, in Matthew, it says that, that Jesus arrived at the temple, he entered into the temple, he overthrew the tables because he was angered. If you go to Mark, what you would read is he, he gets to the temple, it's late, so he leaves, comes back the next day, and he turns over the, temp, over the, uh, the tables because he's angered. doesn't make any difference. That's really not important. The reality is that there is a lesson that's being taught here, and the lesson is a very practical lesson, and it's using something that these people knew well. He uses a fig tree. Isn't that like Jesus? Jesus tends to take things that you and I comprehend and understand, and he makes the application. And, and here he is, he's using something that, that the Jews knew well, the people of this area knew well. Why? Well, because the fig tree was a common, inexpensive fruit. That's what it was. The, the, the fig tree, you'd find basically, uh, the fig tree, there was, it was plentiful in, in Israel. And the interesting thing was that the fig tree would, would take about three years to, to bear fruit. And once it, once it got to the place of where it was bearing fruit, it would bear fruit two times a year. That's why they were inexpensive. It would bear fruit in the late spring and in the late fall. And the interesting thing is that basically it bore its fruit and then it leafed out. That's opposite from most fruit. Most situations, the plant leaves and then it bears fruit. Not in this case. It bears the fruit and then it leaves out. And so Jesus, when he approaches the fig tree, it's already leafed out. And the assumption could very well have been there's fruit on that tree. It says he was hungry. But I would propose to you that, that he really knew what was going to transpire. He well understood. And he goes to that tree, and, and there it is. It's all leafed out. But it's not late spring. It's early spring. And Jesus goes to the tree, has no fruit, and he curses it. And it withers. Mark says it withers from the roots In other words, the total vine was destroyed. And you say, isn't that contrary? 
Jesus isn't that contrary. When, when did you ever come to the place of destroying something? Isn't that contrary? I would propose to you that really what's transpiring here is he's presenting a living parable. He's presenting something that in turn takes place right before their eyes. And in turn, it begins to, he's trying to say to these people, I have a lesson for you, and it's a very important lesson. I think there's twofold to this lesson. The first lesson. I believe he's saying, don't allow your worship to become empty. Let me say that again. Don't allow your worship to become empty. Don't allow it to be fruitless, a sham. I believe the second thing he says is simply this. Believe. Have faith. But watch your heart. Because the condition of your heart will determine what transpires. You still with me? Okay. Now, each one of these, hopefully, when we get all done, we're going to be able to apply to ourselves. I, I firmly believe that when, when we're ministering, it's nice to look at Scripture, but there's an application factor here, and we're going to apply, okay? So let's take a take, look, first of all, at this, at this concept of, of, of religion, of spirituality being empty, okay? Remember what has transpired, where Jesus had been. He'd arrived into the city amongst this crowd of rejoicing and praising him, and he arrives at the temple, and whether you, uh, whether you take Matthew or whether you take Mark, he goes into the temple area, and he is angry over what he sees. This temple is a beautiful place of worship. They came to sacrifice there. Sacrifice of the living God. It was, it was, excuse me, it was the time of Passover. And he was there. They were there to worship what God had done. Because God had, had taken them out of Egypt. He had spared them. He brought them to this place where they should honor him and worship him. And what was happening within the confines of the walls of the temple? They were exchanging monies. You see, the money in the temple area was not the same money that was used in the rest of the Israelite nation. Roman coinage was used in Israel. When you got to the temple, it was temple coinage. Two entirely different things. So they had to exchange the coinage. And, and in turn, you can imagine, you, you could well imagine, that when there was an exchange of the coinage, there was money being made. Right? But it didn't end there once they had the coinage that in turn they were going to go buy that perfect lamb. And if they couldn't buy a lamb, if they didn't have enough money, they had to buy the dove. They had to buy something that they were going to sacrifice. Because that's why they were there. They were there to sacrifice. And Jesus came in and he saw all of this transpiring and he's angered by it. You've defiled my home. You defiled this place. You defiled God. How can you do that? He's angered by it. Now, you have to realize 
that those in the leadership of the, of the temple, they were the religious elite, weren't they? Why, they were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the men of the law. They knew the law. They carried out the law to the T. One of the great Pharisees was none other than Paul. He had been a Pharisee. He would have sat on the Sanhedrin, the ruling body. And when he persecuted the Christians, he was doing it because the Christians were violating the law. And then there were the Sadducees, the, the leaders, the head of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, the, the Sadducees didn't necessarily, they didn't necessarily abide by the law by any means. Matter of fact, they didn't agree with the resurrection, nor did they agree with the idea of angels. They were religious, however. They wore the garments of religiosity. They had all of the right apparel and the right look. But you see, these individuals had lost sight. They'd lost sight of what it means to worship the one true God. It was a show. It was to line their pockets. They realized, they felt that it was more important to go through the, the system and the process and than it was to really understand what this celebration of the Passover was all about. You know, we come together on a Sunday morning and whether we like it or not, there's a form to what we do. We can shake our fingers at those who have liturgical worship, but the reality is we go through a form in our worship. We do it every Sunday, right? And if you've been in church for any length of time, we do it very well. We know when to raise our hands. You know, we know, we know when to clap. We know, we know we, we've got this form down really good. And there are people who go through the form very well, but when they walk through the doors back there, you know something? Their worship stops. And, and consequently, their religion becomes empty. You know, I looked at myself this morning as the Lord was, the Lord was saying, this doesn't have to be a negative message, Larry. And, and if, you're, if you're kind of taking issue and you're saying, he's being way negative. I'm not trying to be negative. What I felt was I needed to look at myself. I've been in this Christian stuff a long time. I pastored for a long time. Pastor Bill, you and I have been at this, haven't we? We know the form. We can stick to the form. But what I've been drawn to is, how am I doing when I'm not in the form, when my worship goes beyond the walls? How am I doing in a community? Do I portray Christ to a dying world? Because that's worship. Folks, the worship is not the song service. The worship is everything that we do. Our worship in this place started the minute that you walked through the door this morning. 
And the worship will continue when you walk back through the door because you're going to go home. And you're going to mingle with family. Now, I don't know about you. I have some family members that are a little difficult to mingle with sometimes. Anyone agree? I've had to take note of how is my, how is my worship with these difficult family members? But how is my worship with that difficult clerk at the store? Or how is my worship on the job? Do I portray Christ to people? When everything is said and done at the end of the day, is my worship empty? Is it like that fig tree that didn't have any figs? Or is my worship meaningful? Was my worship just on a Sunday morning between the time of 10 and 12, 10.30 and 12.30? Or is my worship more than that? Boy, those are great questions, aren't they? And that's what Jesus was saying to his followers. He was saying to those men that were with him, realize something. You have just, worshiped, you have just witnessed empty worship. And he's saying to those men, being a believer, being one of my followers is a whole lot more than empty worship. It's a lifestyle. It's a way we conduct our lives. That's our worship. He's saying to his followers, gentlemen, realize something. In the future, you're going to be challenged. And they were. I mean, if you, if you take a look at history, if you read this book, you'll find that the, the, the Christ, those early Christians were challenged. They were challenged by people who said, you must follow the law. You must, they were the Judaizers. You must follow the law. You, if you're going to call yourself a believer, you still must follow the law. And along comes Paul, and he says, grace. But after Paul is taken from the scene, the church goes right back into that same struggle. And you know something? It's not changed today. Folks, I'm here to tell you, your worship, what happens here, should be the same thing that you're reflecting out there. This was a great worship service this morning. Worship team, you are great. You led us into the presence of God. Amen? You brought us into his, his presence. But you know something? When I leave this place, I need to be reflecting his presence throughout this community. I need to be reflecting his presence tomorrow. I need to be reflecting his presence in my family structure. Why? Because that's my worship. The worship does not end at 1230. <laughs> and the worship doesn't end when you leave this place. It's everywhere you go. That's his first lesson. Powerful lesson, isn't it? Wow. I was challenged by that. Well, his, what's his second lesson? His second lesson is very interesting. His second lesson is one with regards to faith and what we can expect when we have faith and in turn when we act on that faith. I'm turning to Mark only because Mark adds a sentence to the end of what is recorded in Matthew, and it's a very interesting sentence. Mark records Jesus saying this, have faith in God. That's, that's a wonderful statement, have faith in God. But then he goes on to say, if you tell the truth, 
If, you, if I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain... Now picture this. He's standing on the Mount of Olives. He's looking out into the, the distance, and there is the Dead Sea. And he says, if you tell this mountain to move, to be cast into the sea, if you have faith, it could transpire. Uh, he's, he's, he, once again, he's taking them to a place of where... They understand what he's talking about. Because what he is saying is, gentlemen, I have cursed the tree. You can curse. You can do the same. It could happen. It's a matter of faith. He goes on. Go throw yourself into the sea, he says to the mountain, and and does not doubt in his heart. Oops, right there is the reality of it. He's talking now all of a sudden about the heart. And he's talking about not doubting. Don't doubt in your heart, he says, but believe. Oops, there's another word, believe. This doubting and this not, and and believing, not doubting and believing. Boy, those are huge words. He says, don't doubt and believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We have perverted that concept within the church. There, have been, there are people out there that will tell you, hey, if you simply believe and you speak it, and, and man, if you have the faith for it, you can have it. I mean, so consequently, just say it. Say that you want the Mercedes and it will be done. And, I, and I'll say to you, that's a perversion. Because that's not what Jesus is saying at all. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you get yourself right in relationship to me, that in turn, your heart is right with mine, then you will be in such tune with me that you'll want what I want, and you will ask me what I desire to do, and then in turn, I will give it to you. It's the condition of the heart. Not doubting and believing, yes, but it's also the condition of the heart. And you say, Brother Frank, where do you come up with that? I read on. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And you say, Jesus, what are you talking about? What he's talking about is the condition of the heart. What's the condition of our heart? If the condition of our heart is right, then in turn we'll be in tune with the Father and we will be asking what the Father desires. We'll be in tune with his plan. But in turn, that means that our heart has to be pure, and we have to make sure that we're not holding grudges. We're not holding things in our heart. But folks, that's, you know, that's, not, that, that's easier than you think. <laughs> when people do you wrong, what happens? You get angry, yes. But sometimes we hold the fence, don't we? We spent 14 years in, in, in our first church. Good church. I pioneered the work. Um, we were blessed in that church. Last few years were a little tough, though, Pastor Bill. We went through some difficult times. And about the, 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 le- about the two years, I think it was two years before we left, our son went off to college, went off to Valley Forge, and and then, in the midst of it all, we decided that it was time for us to leave and to move on. And so we, we looked for another church and so on and so forth. And so we were elected into another church in, in New Jersey, and I sat down with our son to talk about this. 
Uh, he was his second year of college, and, and all of a sudden he begins to express to me how angry he is with the church at Brewerton. And I looked at him and I said, what is your problem? He said, they treated you wrong, Dad. They treated you unfairly. He'd taken an offense, taken supposedly my offense, and all of a sudden he was struggling with that offense. And I looked at him across the table and I said, Nathan, I'm here to tell you, lay down the offense. Because if you don't lay down the offense, you'll be robbed of what God desires to do in your life. Because your heart won't be right. The offense comes. The offenses come, don't they? Lay down the offense. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that your heart is right before God. And guess what? As you begin to ask, God will begin to pour in you. Do you realize, folks, that I say this wherever I go, God has a plan for every single one of you in this building. Do you know that? And folks, I'm here to tell you it's a good plan. Amen? It is a wonderful plan. He has a, he has a plan for this church body as a whole. And I'm here to tell you, and I, can, and I am assured of it this morning, it's a wonderful plan. It's a tremendous plan that he has for you and for the church. But sometimes the plan doesn't go quite like we think it should. And sometimes we, uh, we, we struggle and we say, God, this was my thought. How come it's not quite lining up with your thought? I'm here to tell you God's plan is better than your plan. In his way of carrying it out is better than your way of carrying it out. So what we need to do is make sure that our heart is right before God and we're saying to him, Lord, I know you have a plan. It'll be a good plan. And if it doesn't coincide with my plan, so be it, Lord. I will bow to you. And in turn, is that not living? Is that not worshiping as we should? Saying, God, whatever the plan I don't know about you, but I'm intrigued with these two lessons. <laughs> I'm intrigued because they spoke to my heart. They said to me, first of all, let my worship be all that it could be and all that it should be. I, I need to make sure that, that my worship is not just confined to what happens on a Sunday morning or whatever. It needs to go beyond the walls. But he also spoke to my heart and said, and in turn, make sure that your, your heart is one with God's, and in turn, I'm hearing from God and receiving from God and knowing what God's plan is for me and praying accordingly, because when I do, God is going to answer and God is going to do great things. Remember I told you in the beginning, my mom is 92? She's 92. And she's lived a good full life, and she's having some problems right now. Her memory is not what it should be. It could be, could be a little dementia. I don't know for sure. But we, it became obvious that we were going to have to do something. We we're going to have to place her. That's not my desire. I fought all week long with that because I don't want to. I'm going to have to take her out of her environment that she's known for the past 18 years, away from a, a place where she's grown up in the whole nine yards, and I'm going to have to move her. And I'm going to have to put her into a place where they can take care of her, near me, so that I can get to her. I, I travel two hours down and two hours back to get to her every time. And so consequently, I'm going to have to take these moves. And she called me Friday morning, crying, 
Larry, I don't want to move. Why don't you want to move, Mom? I just don't want to move. And I had to say to her, Mom, Mom, I have to make the decision. My plan was not to make that decision. My plan would have been to do anything other than. That was not my plan. All of that to say this very simple thing. Sometimes our plans are not God's plans. And we're arguing with God. And we're struggling with God. And we're saying, God, why? And he can say to you, get a hold of my heart. Make sure your heart is pure. Make sure your heart is right. And in turn, your plans and my plans will be one and the same. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Jesus. I have two questions for you this morning. Here are my questions. Question number one. Number one, are you right with Jesus and you know Jesus personally and he is your savior? Because that's a key question, isn't it? Have you acknowledged him as savior for you personally? That's key. You see, you can't get a hold of his heart and his mind if you don't have a relationship with him. So it starts with a relationship. That's where it starts. And if you don't have a relationship this morning, you know something? Today can be the day. Because he's calling you and he's beckoning you and he's saying, come, I want to have a relationship with you. And I'm going to ask you to do something very, in a very short time here. I'm going to ask you to be, to be man or woman or adult enough or teenager enough to say, you know something? That's me. And I'm going to ask you to just come. But you're not going to come alone because I'm going to ask those of you in this congregation, I'm going to be very honest with you. Folks, are you like me? Are you saying, you know something? I want my worship outside of these walls to be as vibrant as it is inside of these walls. I want my worship not to be just by my voice and what I sing and not with hands raised. I want my my worship to be something that's going to touch a needy community. And if you're like me, I'm going to ask you to just join me. Or maybe you're saying, boy, I want my heart to be right so that I can ask and I can receive. And if that's the case, I want you to just join me here too. If you come for salvation, I'm going to ask that you kind of move your way over to that end and Pastor will be over there to meet with you. But if you're here and you just want to be with, you just want to agree with me, I want you to come. And I just want you to spend just a few minutes at these altars. We're not going to drag this out. But I want you to just come. And let's just agree together before we leave here. The worship will continue, but the worship will be that which is pleasing to God. The worship will be that which honors God beyond these walls. And in turn, not only will my worship be honoring to Him, but my heart is going to be of such a nature that I'm in tune with God. I want you to just step out of your pew. I want you to just join me up here, if you would. Be, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, come, if you would. Come, and let's just agree together before you leave. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. You're not joining a church. <laughs> you're, not, you're just saying, boy, before I leave, I want to make sure that... Uh, I can receive Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you've never acknowledged Christ as Savior, Pastor Bill would love to pray with you this morning. 
He's going to be over in this corner and he's, he's going to just welcome you. You're not joining this church. You're acknowledging Christ as Savior. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Would you bow with me? Let's just agree together. As the worship team just leads us, let's just agree together and let's pray together. God, Jesus, have your way in our midst. Jesus, have your way in our hearts. Jesus, work in us. Don't allow our, our worship to be empty. Don't allow us to be like that fig tree that bears no fruit. But rather, Lord God, when we move beyond these walls, let us move beyond these walls knowing, Lord, knowing that, Lord, knowing that we have a responsibility of, of being that precious witness for you. Lord, allow us just to move beyond these walls and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Not just when we come together. Not just as we raise our hands. Not just as we lift our voices. But Lord God, let it be a true worship of you in everything that we say, in everything that we do, how we react. Don't let it depend upon, don't let it depend upon our, uh, how we've felt about ourselves, but let it be that which is true worship. A worship of who you are. A worship of your greatness. A worship of your love. A worship of your faithfulness. A worship of all that you are. Lord God, let our minds be so in tune with yours that, Lord God, we will know, we will know your desire, we'll know your plans, we'll know those things, Lord God, that are, you're desirous of doing in us. Lord God, let us pray accordingly. Let us pray in faith. Let us pray, Lord God, in unison with you. Lord God, let us touch heaven because, Lord God, we are in one accord. We've heard your voice. We've heard you. Lord God, do that precious work in each one of us. Lord, I pray for each one who's come this morning. Lord, bless them abundantly. Lord, let them be a true sense of your worship as they leave this place today. Lord God, let them truly cry out to you and let their hearts be so in tune with you that, Lord, they receive and they acknowledge all that, Lord, you've done in their lives. Lord God, might you be honored through each life here. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just spend a few moments. Just to allow him to, to minister to you. Precious Jesus.